Thank you, Jordan and Courtney. You know, I, uh, I want to say thank you to all of you who, um, who support. Uh, we definitely talk and see and take notice of the families here who feel called to foster care and who are walking faithfully in that. Um, but I think one of the biggest reasons why so many of our foster families are able to walk in that is because so many of you support in such incredible ways, bringing meals and praying. And uh, it was neat. There was a family in our, uh, in our church um, uh, and someone, a gentleman, took his whole Friday off and just said, hey, I want to come and hang out with your kids and support you guys. And it's just like, so, so thank you. Thank you for all. Um, not everyone is called to foster care. And if we all were, oh man, yeah. Uh, so I'm just, I'm so grateful for those of you who um, feel called to support in that role. Um, we are in the book of Psalms. Uh, and if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Psalm 116. And, and as you maybe pull up that scripture on your phone, or maybe you brought your Bible here this morning, um, I, I want to just take one last notice uh, at, our, at your um, uh, programs. Three things. Community group launch, uh, community group signups begin today. You want to begin, join a community group? Just grab this fill it out, and you can drop it in the box, or you can, um, there should be instructions on here of how to do this online. So you can register for a community group online. The community group start in September. Next week is our church picnic. We'd love to have you join. There should be instructions on how to sign up in, uh, in our What's Happening sheet. And then finally, every single year at the Mission Church, we do um, a special focus on our local and global missions um, that we partner with and that we are a part of. That's the reason why you, we took some time to talk about foster care. If you were here last week, we talked all about what God is doing in Sierra Leone, Africa, with um, the partnership we have with Impact to Life. And um, it's not only a time where we just focus on um, the call to be on mission, both locally and globally, but we also take the opportunity to do a special offering. And I would really encourage each and every one of you to pray about um, giving um, towards this special offering. Next Sunday is going to be the last opportunity to do that. You can give online. You can give the old-fashioned way with a check um, in, in the boxes back there. Uh, let me just say this. Uh, I think I should sit down, and we have all of this um, in our accounts here, but the amount of money that's been given to this special offering over the past seven years has been, I want to say, beyond the $200,000 mark, which is just like, wow! Um, one year we had 43 5000 given. Last year, I think it was about $26,000 given. And, and I don't have time to get into how everything unfolded, but let, 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 I'll just go high level here. The past seven years, the Mission Church, because of your generosity, we have been able to plant over 15 churches in Sierra Leone, Africa. We have seen well over, yeah, you know, let's, yeah, intermediate clap. Let's do this. Let's do this. Yeah. Like, no need for a golf clap. Let's go all out. 
Woo! Football season's here. Praise the Lord. Man, getting a little charismatic here. Feels good. Um, well over a thousand salvations. Hundreds and hundreds of baptisms. Two, um, two different villages that have a Christian school in what is a predominantly Muslim culture. Um, a kind of sustainability for these villages where they, many of these people have jobs. I, I don't know what the stats are now, but the last time I went to Sierra Leone, my understanding was about 80% of people don't have work. They don't have a job. Um, wells that are being dug um, so that they have clean water. Hernia surgeries. There's, there's people who are living with hernias for decades. And by the grace of God and your generosity, we've seen God do what only God can do. And I want to say thank you. Um, and I want to encourage you to pray about giving. Um, you can see how everything breaks down, um, where the finances will be aimed towards. All of it is going to go towards local and global missions. And so I encourage you to pray what God might call you to give. And, and for some, it's $50, it's $100, it's $500. Some God's blessed you and provided for you. And maybe it's thousands of dollars or even tens of thousands of dollars. Um, but just know that God has been extremely faithful in the past. And it, you know he's going to be faithful in the future. Psalm 116 it's a psalm of thanksgiving. Um, what we've been doing in the book of Psalms is um, we've been taking them on by their different genres. There's a number of different genres of psalms. There's psalms of wisdom. There's psalms of trust. There's psalms of lament. Um, there's messianic psalms. Today we're going to look at a psalm of thanksgiving. And, and, and let me just ask you this question. Rhetorically, I'm not sure it would be helpful if we just started shouting out our answers. Um, what does it look like for you to live a life of thanksgiving? To express thanksgiving? To, to be filled with gratitude? I'm going to use those words thanksgiving and gratitude interchangeably. But what, what does that look like? Um, I, I don't know what you think about, but when I kind of jumped into this psalm and started thinking about this genre of psalms of thanksgiving, and I thought about what, what does thanksgiving look like, I can't help but go to our national holiday of thanksgiving. Like, when I think of thanksgiving, okay, the day of thanksgiving. And more specifically, I don't know what kind of traditions you have or have had when it comes to thanksgiving. One of my family tra traditions I grew up with, and I try to carry it on with my kids, is at the dinner table, we all go around and we share one, maybe two or three things that we are thankful for. Anybody ever do this? Just a few of you? Yeah, godly people. Awesome. The rest of you are just eating and watching football. The Lord will convict you later. Um, so, we go around the table. I was reflecting on this. And here's how it has looked for 
the years that we've done this, it actually moves pretty quickly. You know, maybe there's eight or nine people around the table, and it, it moves pretty quickly, and it sounds, a lot of times it sounds like this. I, I'm, I'm so thankful that I get to sit at this table with my family. I'm so thankful for um, my spouse and how supportive they are. I'm, I'm so thankful for my health, and, or I'm, th- I'm thankful that God has provided for us financially. And, and, and from my memory, if my memory serves me correct, every single year it sounds a lot like that. Just a quick expression of, oh yeah, thanks God for this, thanks God for that. Yeah, and, and you feel kind of good. You're like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm filled with thanksgiving. But then I read this psalm, and this psalm would tell you that is not Thanksgiving. That at best, that's the beginning of Thanksgiving. At best, that's the beginning of gratitude. At best, it's a pretty cheap version of Thanksgiving in gratitude. And what I love about this psalm is it does two things. One, it teaches you what true thanksgiving is, what, what a life of true gratitude looks like. It's just going to tell us that, and it's going to say it's a lot more than just naming it and moving on. But here's the other thing that I think is amazing about this psalm, and I just want to start out with you hearing. This psalm teaches us the result of gratitude, the result of someone who is able to live a life of gratitude. And what is the result? Um, G.K. Chesterton, I'm just going to quote him because I think he just nails it. (coughs) He says, I would maintain that thanks are the highest form of thought and that gratitude is happiness doubled by wonder. That is to say that the result of gratitude every single time is joy. Every single time is joy. Every single time it's joy, it's peace, it's hope, it's confidence that when you and I are faithful in living a life of gratitude, the result is going to be the same every single time. Joy. How many of you want to get on that train? Anybody? That's good preaching, y'all. There's only half of you raising your hands. Come on, church. It's a life of joy. It's a life of peace. Every single time. And not only is the result of a life of gratitude, joy, and peace, but it is protection from pride and arrogance and selfishness. It's It's a protection and a hedge to keep you from bitterness, resentment, gossip, fear. Show me someone who's prideful and arrogant, I'll show you someone who's not walking in gratefulness and gratitude. Show me someone who is paralyzed by fear, I'll show you someone who has a real hard time being grateful. So this is the result. How many of you, this sounds good. You want to walk in joy, doubled by wonder. I'm not even quite sure what that means, but it sounds really cool. Doubled by wonder. 
So this, this psalm teaches us how to do this. So here we go. Psalm 116, <coughs> excuse me. Psalm 116 is going to lead us in, there's multiple parts of this. Look at Psalm 116, verses 1 and 2. The first thing is this. The first step to gratitude is to simply name it. Look at what the psalmist says. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice in my pleas. Do you hear this? He says, I love the Lord. Why? You know what I'm grateful for? You know what I'm thankful for? You know why I love the Lord? Here's why. And, and here, here's the first step of thanksgiving. Just name it. Just, we already just kind of talked about it. Do what I did on thanksgiving. Just name it. That's what he does. God has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy. He has inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call on him as long as I live. So let's just step one here. I want you to, let's participate. Maybe again, don't say this out loud. But just in your heart, name one or two things that you are grateful for. You're truly grateful for. I'm grateful for the the people who stood up here and there was a number who are serving in children's who are not here that, are st- that stood up here. I'm grateful for them. I'm grateful for my wife. Is, side note here. Today marks 11 years since our first date. I know, right? Foster families, take note. They clapped for that and not for... Um, moving on. My, yes, it's... And I haven't even seen her yet this morning. I'm sure she's got a big hug and kiss for me or something like that. I'm thankful for those things. So name it. What are you thankful for? Think about that in your heart. He doesn't stop there. This is important. Step two to living a life of gratitude. Don't just name it. Meditate upon it. And that's exactly what he does literally from verses 3 all the way through verse 11. He doesn't just name that he is thankful that God has heard his prayer. He literally spends verses 3 through 11 meditating, reiterating, um, reflecting, and rehearsing the specific way in which God answered his prayer. How often do you do that? How often do you not just name it, but you, you think of a moment and you just, you reflect on it, you meditate on it, you pour over it. You, it brings life to that gratitude. Um, I, I had an opportunity to, to just feel this this week. Um, uh, I said I'm grateful for the families that were up here and and the way that they're serving the Lord in the way that they've been called. Uh, This this week, um, I was talking with Michael on the phone, and we we were meditating upon God's faithfulness to us. And we were, kind of on accident, meditating on how grateful, for, grateful we are for what God is doing. Because about four or five months ago, um, 
we went, uh, the foster families in our church, we went to this conference together um, that is for foster adoptive families. I think there was four couples there. And we went and had a celebratory dinner afterwards. And so we go to this dinner. And of course, you know, the guys are sitting over here. The girls are sitting over there. And us guys here, of course, all we're talking about is Jesus and things like that. And so we're talking together. And I think it was Michael who said this. He said, guys, imagine if next year, there's twice as many families around this table. And we're like, oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. You'll notice that about foster parents. We apologize. We get a little overzealous, and we want everyone to walk in this because of the joy that it is to serve and love and be blessed by these kids that we get to care for. And, uh, and so we're talking on the phone. He's like, remember that? We're like almost triple the amount of families. And I got off the phone and it's like the Lord just brought tears to my eyes because I'm going, Lord, are you kidding me? Like, <gasps> there's a difference between saying, God, I'm so grateful for these families that are up here and, and having a moment where I rehearse the history of where I was and what God did. Do you do that? Because it's one thing to say, I'm so grateful for my wife, and then to rehearse God's faithfulness to you in bringing her into your life. It's one thing to say, I'm so grateful that God hears my prayers, and then to take the time and reflect on the specific prayers in which God has answered. And that's exactly what happens here. Look at verse 3. He's going to meditate upon this. He says, The snares of death, they encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol. Now, Sheol is just another word for death, grave. Sometimes it can literally mean hell. The pangs of Sheol. They laid hold of me. I suffered distress and anguish. This guy, this or gal, this psalmist here is experiencing the deepest and darkest moment of their life. The dark night of the soul. The valley of the shadow of death. You ever been there? You, you will be at some point if you haven't. And if you have, you will be again. And this is where he's at, or she's at. But look at verse 4. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Oh Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return. Now he's like talking to himself. He's like, he, he's like going from praying to God then to like praying to himself in the presence of God. And he says, oh, return, O oh my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. Did you just see what happened there? In verse 3, this guy's on death's door. This guy's experiencing more grief, more anguish to the point where he's like, I, I literally feel like I'm going to die. And by the time we get to verse 7, he's like, oh, oh man, my soul is just at rest. The Lord's just been so bountifully with me. How do you get from verse 3 to verse 7? From the valley of the shadow of death to the mountain high 
wonder and rest. You get there through verse 4. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. He prays. Because remember, that's what he's thankful for. He's thankful that God answered his prayer. Now, let's, let's, not, let's not downplay this. It's not as if he got on his knees and said, Oh Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. And then he got up off of his knees and everything was good. The Hebrew here suggests that he, it's literally, I kept praying, I kept praying, I kept praying, I kept praying. If you go down to verse 11, he writes, I believed even when I spoke. I am greatly afflicted. I said in my alarm, all mankind are liars. Verse 10 and verse 11 is painting this picture. As he is walking through the valley of the shadow of death, he is holding on to his belief in God, and it's literally the only thing he feels like he can hold on to. And he's just, he's trusting in God while at the same time saying, God, I'm afflicted, I'm afflicted, I'm afflicted. And so he makes it through this valley of the shadow of death through a prayer. Through a prayer that he kept praying and kept praying. And I, I, I just marinate on this for a moment because some of you have been praying some prayers for a long time. Or some of you feel like you're in this valley of the shadow of death. And the psalmist would say, just keep praying. Just keep, just stay on your knees. He is faithful. And you get to verse 8 and verse 9. This is so powerful. Verse 8 and verse 9, they're actually the very center of the psalm. This psalm is kind of a, um, uh, it's called a chiatic structure where the first half builds up to the center and the last half is kind of like um, circling back. And, and, and pointing us to the middle. And so here's the very middle. Listen to what he says. He says, For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Verse 9. Do you, do you see a difference in the tenses? What has he been doing in verse 3 through verse 8? He's talking about the past. He's meditating upon how God has showed up and how God has worked and what God has done in the past. God did this, 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 and this. And then in verse 9, he shifts from the past tense and moves to this present expectant future tense. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Here's what's happening. And he, here's, here's why gratitude is so powerful. That when you practice gratitude by naming and meditating on the ways in which God has been faithful to you in the past, it repositions you in the present. And it helps you see God's character a lot clearer. When you remind yourself of how faithful God has been to you in the past, and when you express that, and when you meditate on that, and when you rehearse that, it brings you to this place of going, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> God's always been for me. God's always been faithful for me. 
Do you know the hardest thing to see in the valley of the shadow of death? The hardest thing to see in the dark night of the soul is to see the way God is going to bring you through. Amen to that? And you're just going, God, how are you going to do this? How you, how you, it's so hard to see. But when you practice gratitude, it's as if God has taken you out of the valley of the shadow of death and he's put you in a high place to see what he sees. Yesterday I was on this, uh, I was coming home from Burbank, California. Our flight left right at sunset. And so I'm watching it. The skies are clear and I've got, you know, praise the Lord, a window seat in, in like the, the emergency little helper person where I get the extra leg room. Praise the Lord. Nobody's sitting next to me. There's a lot of things I'm grateful for today, friends. And so so I'm sitting there and I'm watching the sun set. But here's what's incredible. That the sun sets a lot sooner in California than it does in Seattle. And the plane is apparently going fast enough where it's almost catching up with this sunset. So like a normal sunset lasts five minutes. This sunset lasted for an hour and a half. And I just sat there and I just like... When you see the beauty of the Lord like that, at least what it did for me is it, it, it's, like, it's like the Lord just said, I'm faithful as the sun setting and the sun rising. I am good. See that beauty out there? Not only am I that beautiful, but I'm even more beautiful than that. And that's what happens when you take the time to rehearse the ways that God has been faithful to you. That's what happens when you meditate, meditate on the things that you are thankful for. He takes you out of the dark night of the soul and positions you right at the sunset and just says, see, this is who I am. I am faithful. I am with you. I will take you through. But he doesn't stop there. Look at verse 12. Verse 12, so let, let's just be clear. The first 11 verses, we've been taught that gratitude begins by naming it, then taking a long time to meditate on it. And we get to verse 12, and he says, oh, we're not done yet we still got a long way to go to really live a life of gratitude. Verse 12, what does he say? What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? He's literally saying to live a life of gratitude, it's so much more than just naming it. It's so much more than meditating on God's faithfulness. You should actually give back. You should actually respond. In fact, when you look at the, the, English diction, the, the English word gratitude in the dictionary, it says this, ready to show appreciation for and to return kindness. That a life of gratitude never settles on a mere expression of thanks, God. Oh, that was so good, God. 
it always goes further and responds through action. Look look what he says. I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all of his people. Here's the picture. Um, I will pay my my vows. So you are maybe familiar with the tithe. God... In the Old Testament, and and you could argue in the New Testament, we see this theme continue through, that God had called all of the Israelites to take 10%, a tithe, of their income and to give it back to God. Now, he did that for a couple of reasons, but did you know one of the primary reasons God did this is an opportunity for you to express gratitude? It was your way of saying, okay, Lord, everything you've given to me, it's from you and it's actually not mine. So I'm going to give you this 10% back because it's really not mine in the first place. Now, it's worth noting, that's not what's going on here. This is not a tithe. This would be called a thanksgiving offering. There were a couple of different offerings that you could give above and beyond a tithe. And one of them was an offering you would give when you were just like, Lord, you're so good to me. (laughs) You're you're just so good to me. Like, I just, I have to show you how grateful I am. And so they would literally pull out their money bag and and they would give. Now, a lot, they would would buy things that they would then make sacrifices um, with. But what we see here is that gratitude without giving is not gratitude. Now, the giving is not always monetary, but, but sometimes it is. When I read this, I think of the story of Zacchaeus. Do you remember the story of Zacchaeus? And now you're singing the song in your head, any of you? Yeah? Some of you are like, what song is that? I'll save it. Um, do you remember this? Zacchaeus is this super rich guy. He's gained quite a bit of his wealth by cheating other people because he's a tax collector. Jesus comes to Zacchaeus in the presence of a ton of people and says, Hey, Zacchaeus, come here, buddy. I'm coming to your house. Now, we don't get the intricate details. We get the high-level explanation of what happens, but you get a sense that Zacchaeus surrenders his life to Christ. And the language that is used is it says, he joyfully, keyword, joyfully received Jesus. Jesus ends up saying, salvation has come to this man's house. And so what we see is Zacchaeus trusting in Jesus Christ as his Savior, but he's so overwhelmed by the grace and the forgiveness and the acceptance that Jesus has given to him despite all of his misdeeds. He's filled with joy and gratitude. What does he do next? What does he do? He says, hey, Jesus, I'm so fired up about the good news of the gospel. Now, he doesn't say that, but he pretty much does. And he says, half my wealth, I just want to give it to the poor right now. 
<laughs> right? So he takes half of his wealth, gives it to the poor, and then he says, you know what? I've probably cheated some people, so I'm going to pay them back four times as much. Now, when you read that story of Zacchaeus, you don't get one inkling that there's a sense of duty or obedience. I've trusted in Jesus. I got saved. <clears throat> so now I have to give. He's overflowing. <clears throat> He's overflowing with gratitude <clears throat> and joy. And it and what and the overflow, the spillover of the overflow is generosity. He just gives. And, and the same exact thing is happening in, in, in Psalm 116 here. <clears throat> this is not an act of duty. This is not an act of, well, I better be grateful for what God has given me and He answered my prayer. This is a person who is so overwhelmed by God's goodness that the only way to complete that joy that he's feeling is to respond in a tangible way. And I wonder if you do that. How do you respond in tangible ways to the faithfulness of God in your life? How do you express your gratitude because i'm telling you if all you're doing is verbalizing it and leaving at that you are not only are you not practicing full gratitude you're missing out you are absolutely missing out and he doesn't just pull out his money bag and say, thank you, Lord. Here it is. Look at verse 15 and 16 with me. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant. The son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. What's going on here? I thought you expressed your gratitude by getting your money purse out. Like, what, what, what's going on? So now he's poured out financially his gratitude, and now we see a picture of a, of a worshiper. I just picture them on their knees going, I'm your servant, Lord. This is what the gospel ought to do in us. Do we realize how good the good news of the gospel is? I mean, this guy gets his, answered, his prayer answered by God. That's awesome. God has done so much more than that, hasn't he? He has saved you and I from our sin. He's, he's given us 
the gift of salvation, eternity in heaven. We just need to be reminded of how epic that is. I feel like we only walk through the the incredible joys of salvation when we experience death around us. And we are reminded, wow, one day that's going to be me. By the way, do you see that he does that right here? Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. This psalmist realizes he's he's got one life to live. You and I have one life to live. And at the end... God says, if you know my son, Jesus Christ, you will spend eternity with him. But not only that, this is what's so amazing, that not only in the gospel do you have the promise of eternal life, but Jesus says, I actually want to use you in this life. I actually want to do things in you and through you and by you and with you. And you get a sense that this is exactly what the psalmist is, is, is surrendering to. He's come to this place of going, God, you clearly are for me and not against me. I've, I've, I've reminded myself of that as I expressed my gratitude out loud, that you are for me, not against me. And he comes to this place where he's on his knees and saying, okay, Lord, I'm going to express my gratitude by surrendering my whole life to you. Everything. And I'm going to live for you, not myself. He says it twice. I am your servant. I am your servant. The son of your maidservant. I, there's a whole sermon right there about how this psalmist is on his knees surrendering his life to God, to follow God out of gratitude. And, and a part of that reason has to do with his mom. Do you see that? The son of your maidservant. There's something in him that says, I want to be like my mom. I want to serve the Lord like she served the Lord. Do you see that? That's ep- again. Next week's sermon. Another sermon, moms. I think it applies to dads too. But this is what a life of gratitude does. It names it. It meditates on it. It it responds by giving, but it responds by living out the calling God has for you. But we got, we got to surrender like the psalmist does. Have you surrendered? Have you got on your knees and said, God, I just, you have been so faithful to me. You are clearly for me. So you know what? The rest of my life, I'm just going to give it to you. You decide where I'm going, what I'm doing, and how I'm doing it. I can't help but share this story. I meet with a group of guys in our church at 5.15 every Thursday morning at Starbucks down the road. If you're a guy and you want to come and talk about Jesus and what he's teaching you at 5.15 in the morning, you are welcome to come. So we're there, and we're specifically talking about 
really hearing God's voice in our life and following that. And we are just lamenting and, and repenting, honestly, how often we, we have surrounded ourselves with other voices like Netflix and iPads and radio and podcasts. Not necessarily bad things, but things that can sometimes keep you and I from really hearing God's calling upon our lives. And so we're like, you know, we just need to do a better job. And one, one of the guys in our group, I won't say his name, um, but uh, I want to, I won't. Um, he's not here, so maybe I should. Or maybe he's serving in children's. That would be low. He says, he says guys, Every single day, I'm going to get out my journal and I'm going to journal my prayers because I feel like I'll just get focused and I'll hear from the Lord that way. And I'm just going to journal my prayers. One page every single day. I'm just going to just want to hear the Lord. And we're like, man, that's awesome. And then he says, I'm really nervous. <laughs> and one of the guys goes, why are you nervous? And he goes, because I just know that God's probably just going to call me to be a foster parent. <laughs> and I, we just start laughing and laughing. And, and he was being half humorous. But here's what I appreciated so much about that. He understood that when you position yourself in a position of surrendered gratitude where you just get on your knees and say, God, you've been so good to me. I just want to, here I am, I'm yours. What? Like, literally, I am your servant. Do whatever you want. He understood that God was and is and will call him to things that are just simply outside of his comfort zone. Because if it's inside your comfort zone, you get the glory, not God. And God, did you know, guys, did you know God has a calling unique and distinct for every single one of you? And it's so much more than you could ever ask or think at least that's what Ephesians 3.20 says. And so I think that we can come to this psalm and go, wow, he's really taken gratitude to a whole new level and I, here I am, I'm supposed to pull out my wallet and give somehow and now I've got to like surrender my whole life. I mean, that, that's, that's a long time. But do you see how he ends? He ends with praise the Lord because he realizes that to not choose surrendered gratitude is to miss out and waste the incredible things that God wants to do in you, through you, by you, for you. You will miss those things if you don't get on your knees and surrender. You will miss those things if you don't start from a position of gratitude. And I need you to see this. This is very, very important here. 
The psalmist is surrendering from a position of gratitude, not personal glory. He's not going, okay, I surrender and I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to do great things for the Lord. He surrenders and says, you know what? The Lord's so faithful. I'm going to surrender my life to Him and I'm going to let Him choose what great things He wants me to do for His glory in His name. And I'm going I'm to be faithful. And so here's my challenge for you and I as we move into a time of worship. Don't just name and meditate on the things you are grateful for. Live it. Live it. And like Jordan and Courtney so humbly said, it will cost you. It will cost you. But let me remind you of verse 15. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. The meaning of that verse could be twofold, but one of the ways is this. You only got one life. Don't waste it. Don't waste it on comfort. Don't waste it on ease. Don't waste it on coasting. But make it count for the things that God wants to do in you and through you and by you and with you. But it's got to start with gratitude. And so what are you grateful for today? And how is God calling you to live that? Ask him. He'll tell you. Let's pray. Father, remind us that it's it's about you and what you've done for us. And even if we spend the rest of our lives pouring ourselves out for you, it's not as if we'll catch up with how much good you've done to us. And the reality is that when we pour our lives out and when we live a surrendered gratitude, a, a gratitude that's from the knees, a gratitude that says, God, you're so good. I, I, here I am. I'll do whatever you want, where you want me to go, what you want me to do. Here I am. That when we actually do that, the ending refrain and the continual refrain will be praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. It will be so good for our souls because you, God, have created us for your glory, not our glory. You have created us, called us. To live in such a way that can only be explained by you and your power and your work. And Lord, would you get us on our knees today and this week? And Lord, if there are some in this crowd who, who saw the foster families come up and say, God, are you calling me to be that? Would you give them the boldness and the courage to step into that? For others, maybe it's a call to support foster families. Would they, God, would you put that conviction and, and would you allow them to take that next step and begin to support? Or God, maybe it's something completely different that we even talked about this morning. Give us the humility to surrender in a position of gratitude to you. 
pray this in your name. Amen. And I want to invite you to just respond to that. I don't know what that looks like, but would you just give room for the Holy Spirit to speak and and name maybe something He is calling you to live in as a way of living out your gratitude. And some of you, maybe you need some prayer in that area. And so I'm going to encourage you. We're going to have a prayer team over to my right here. Would you go and receive prayer? If you're like, Lord, I just, I don't know what you're calling me to, but I feel like you call me to something. Would you just get prayed over? Or maybe some of you, you know, maybe it is foster care. I think one of the, one of the best things you can do is just say, Lord, I'm just going to take a step. And, and I think the best step you can take is just to go get prayed for. Just get prayed for. And he'll lead you the rest of the way in that. Why don't we stand and we're going to worship. And, and as we worship, I want to invite you to take communion to my left and to my right. And, and it's an opportunity to express and be reminded with thanksgiving what our Savior Jesus has done for us. He died for us. He poured out his blood to save us. Let's worship God. Amen.